Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 28 of 211's Baseball Talk, born for this by the score leading us in. My name is Dylan Baker, alongside Scott MacArthur, who is returning for his second time on the podcast. Here's what we've got on the menu for you guys today. We will talk about Socrates Brito and when he will be going. Vlad Jr.'s spot in the lineup will be a topic of discussion. Blue Jays have had terrible offense this year. We'll talk about it a little bit. We'll talk about the fifth starter gap, and we will wrap things up with who on the Blue Jays roster is safe right now. Scott, how are you today? I'm great, Dylan. Good to be on again. Good to have you on. Always a great guest. So let's get right into things. Uh, Scott, Socrates Brito has been bad this year. He's been probably the worst player on the team this season. However, this weekend, Ross Atkins said that Lourdes Goriel Jr. would get some play in the outfield, and he proceeded to get his first start in left field on Sunday. He's been hitting really well in AAA. Plus, you go, you've also got Kevin Biggio, who is destroying AAA right now. And who can play in the outfield a little bit, or he has played in the outfield a little bit. So when will Socrates Brito go, and who do we see come up? Well, we've seen Thomas Pannone sent down today mm-hmm. uh, with, a, with a corresponding roster move to come before Friday's home game against the White Sox. And they were going to do something about that bullpen because they had nine arms in it. And uh, I think they need a little more positional roster flexibility heading into a National League park when they play the Giants next Tuesday and Wednesday. Uh, Brito has been an incredible lightning rod. Um, and I, I think that there are multiple reasons for that. Uh, not the least of which is he was acquired uh, from San Diego or the Padres organization on the same day that Kevin Pilar was sent out. And pa- Pilar uh, with a portion of the fan base was a very popular player. And then the other thing, and this is what caught me more because I totally understood the Pilar trade. The thing that caught me more was the unnecessary and way over the top hype job that Brito received from Ross Atkins at that press conference when Atkins was addressing the Pilar trade and the Brito acquisition. And I thought that that set Socrates up for failure because there was nothing in his history at the major league level that suggested he was going to be anything close to what Atkins was trying to sell everybody. And sure enough, he, he hasn't been. This is the one caveat I would say with Brito right now. Of all the names you listed, Dylan, whether it's Goriel or Biggio or Jonathan Davis, those guys have to play if and when they come up to the big leagues. Socrates Brito is occupying a roster spot right now and is not somebody who is a high priority. And when you go around the diamond and you see that you've got smoke and Telez and more or less on any given day, one is the first baseman and the other is the, is the DH. So the DH spot is now taken. Sogard is hitting too well to be removed off of second. Galvis is your guy at shortstop right now at third base. You have Vlad, Unless you have Vlad DHing or with an off day, then you've got Drury there. And if you have Vlad at third, which is more often than not, where do you put Drury given what I just said to you about the infield? Well, you either have him at second base against a left-handed starter because you're sitting Sogard, which is few and far between right now because of how Sogard's been hitting, or you have him out in right field. And so if Drury is out in right field and the rest of the infield is configured in one of the ways I just laid out, where is... Tay Oscar going to play? Where is McKinney going to play? Where is Davis or Biggio or Roman Fields or Lourdes Goriel going to play? 
the point is, is all those where are they going to play guys need to play. Socrates Brito does not need to play because he's nothing more than what he is. And so until it becomes clear that there is going to be consistent playing time for a young prospect to come up and to continue to develop by playing every day at the big league level, it is just better as frustrating as it is to watch to have a spare piece occupying the bench as opposed to somebody you're actually invested in long term. Yeah, for sure. And what you said at first that uh, Ross Atkins oversold Socrates Brito, I completely agree with that. I mean, Brito has not been good, but he he shouldn't have been ex- expected to be a five-tool player right as soon as he got into the big leagues. And right now he's not playing. You're right. And uh, obviously you want your top prospects to come up and play. So how do you think the Jays can create playing time? Would it be via trade that they would do it? Or how would they, how would they get well, playing time? These I mean, I, I think – uh, I think you have to be careful with certain people, but let's let's use a hypothetical. Let's say Teoscar Hernandez plays over the next three weeks like he has for the first five and a half, six weeks. He's got an option left. Does he go to Buff? And does somebody replace him? Billy McKinney is not playing enough to be one of those guys that I circle and say, okay, they're clearly prioritizing him, but he is getting some reps. What do you do with him? Uh, Do you find value on the trade market? And I'm not saying you're getting a big return for any of these guys, but is Eric Sogard at some point, if this continues, and by the way, I don't think this is going to continue at anywhere near the rate that it has, but Eric Sogard, unlike Freddie Galvis, walks and works counts. So if Sogard goes into a hitting slump, chances are he may still be getting on base via the walk. As you've seen with Freddie Galvis over the last 10 or 11 games, as he's gone into a hitting slump, he's not on base much because he doesn't walk either. So, you know, could you get something for Sogard or at least offshoot him onto a a contending team where he could be a pretty useful utility guy? Um, You know, do you free up some time that way? Um, This is... It's weird for me to say this is a good problem, Dylan, because they're coming off of some of the worst baseball I've ever seen a big league team play. Like, the first night in Anaheim was fine. The next two nights were disgusting. Yeah. Um, The Friday night win in Texas was a a pitcher's duel, uh, starters and bullpen, that the Jays eventually won. Saturday and Sunday in Texas were disgusting. And Monday to Wednesday, all three games against the Twins were disgraceful. So I've used a lot of disgusting and disgraceful to describe the last week and a half. So, you know, but the thing is, is that they have quantity right now. What they're not clear on, and this is problematic, but is what requires time for assessment in a rebuilding season. They need to understand the quality that they have. And is Teoscar Hernandez, who quite frankly is somebody who's not doing much if he's not barreling up baseballs and he hasn't done enough of that this year, is he a guy going forward or is he a fourth outfielder or is he expendable? Is Billy McKinney a guy who's just a guy? Um, To me, he is right now. uh, But again, if he gets into a bit of a groove, which is tough to do when you're not playing every day, maybe he gets hot and and shows us something that we haven't seen so far. So they've got a lot of people. It's just unclear what the quality is. The quality and quantity don't seem to line up, 
So you got to sift through the quantity and hopefully un, uh, dig up the gems. And, and they're the ones who take positional homes when they finally get an opportunity to play every day. Yeah, I mean, the guys in the minor leagues could be the quality that you're looking for, but you've got so much quantity in the big leagues right now. You have to do something with that quantity in order to get that, that quality. And you know what? It's really tough right now. So let's move on. Uh, you, touched it, you touched on it this weekend on the pregame show for one of the weekend games. Uh, we talked about it in last week's episode. I don't like Vlad Jr.'s spot in the lineup, personally. I feel that he's got no protection, and he's let off too many innings so far. So what will it take for Charlie Montoyo to move him, or will he move him at all? I think he will eventually, um, but I think that, I mean, Vladdy's got to start showing them something. Uh, you, you know, it's very – Dan Schulman, uh, one of your previous guests, had a, a great tweet uh, the other day illustrating, um, and I believe he got it from Baseball Savant, just how few bad pitches – and by bad pitches, I'm talking about from a pitcher's perspective. How many bad pitches, or from Vladdy's perspective, good pitches there have been to hit? Um, they are pitching this guy on the corners. The one thing he is doing that is not helping himself, that is so unlike him, at least you know, through his minor league and pro career, is that he's swinging at breaking balls off the plate and down. And so he's going out of the strike zone really for, I think, consistently the first time in his pro career. So the way that he's being pitched is big league pitchers believe, and the charts suggest that there is a hole in Vlad's swing, inner half fastballs kind of around the belt and a little bit up. And what Vladdy has been doing is he has been flying open, opening up, kind of pulling back to try to get to that inside fastball and he's typically fouling it off or maybe swinging through it. And in the process of opening up and pulling off the baseball, it leaves him even more susceptible to swinging wildly and over the top and missing considerably the breaking stuff down and away. And it looks like his head is flying off the baseball. And, and that is what has been happening. So I think the first thing he can do for himself is to lay off the spinning stuff on the outer half and down and and start from there and then adjust to what big league pitchers are doing. I had a conversation with a Blue Jays executive the other day who was telling me that, and they had charted this over the last like 10, 14 days. And so I would assume that that's a large enough sample size. You could believe it to be true prior and, and believe it to be true going forward. That Cabin Biggio at AAA had seen a pitcher who threw better than 94 miles per hour only once in the last couple of weeks. Well, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was just at AAA, and there aren't many Nate Pearsons down there in the minor leagues who throw 100-plus. Vlad is now having also to adjust to the increased velocity. So, A, there's an increase in velocity, the 97, 98, sometimes 99, 100. And, B, these guys have a book on him and know how to pitch him and know how to locate the pitches they're trying to throw him. They're not unrefined, young, developing pitchers like you have in the minors. And so it's a, it's a total adjustment for Vlad. It's something that's still very early. And I would say this, in the worst-case scenario, if he's forced back to Buffalo, if this continues for another three weeks to a month, Mike Trout was sent back to double-A, Arkansas in the Angels system 
in the summer of 2011 after a difficult start to his big league career. He came back later that summer and was dominant for four or five weeks and then took off in 2012 to become the player that we all know, love, and respect today. So it's not always a straight line. It has been tough early. And the last point I'll make, because, Dylan, you're dealing with a radio guy who has a tendency to ramble, is that, um, you know, Vlad right now is, is learning the ropes. And it's not as easy an adjustment as, as I think maybe even we thought it would be. And he'll, he'll just have to continue to adjust and work day in and day out to be a better player. Yeah, Vlad's obviously going to have to make some adjustments, but is there really any reason for teams to throw him a pitch over the plate, a pitch that's not outside that he, that he will chase if there's no one behind him that's, that's forcing them to pitch to, to him? Because there's no, to me right now, you, he's hit in front of Billy McKinney, he's hit in front of Brandon Drury, and most of the time he's hit in front of Rowdy Telez. Mm-hmm. There's no real reason to pitch to him, is there? Well, I agree with you. I want him hitting higher. But it's the old thing. I'm going to keep throwing him. I'm going to keep jamming him inside with the fastball and throwing my slop down and away um, until he shows me he doesn't offer at it. Because I don't need to throw him strikes regardless of whether it's Smoke behind him or Telez behind him or Drury behind him or McKinney behind him or Maley behind him. I don't need to throw him strikes if he's going to continue to offer at my crap. So for me... I agree with you. I want Vlad hitting higher, and I believe that that is going to happen. But it is incumbent upon him to make a necessary adjustment. Yeah, and obviously for Montoyo to move him up in the lineup, he'll have to show that he deserves to be hitting there. Uh, Randall Gritchick's been pretty good lately, so he's, he's up there. I mean, no one was really good in the Twins series. But prior to that, he had been pretty good. So you, you have to move these guys down in order for Vlad to get up. And he's got to show that he deserves to be up there. So, like you said, Vlad's going to have to make some adjustments. Uh, so is the rest of the Blue Jays' offense, because they've been really bad so far, oh, and yeah. lately especially. Um, they, it, they're inconsistent, and when they have a bad game, they have a really bad game. So what's the, what do you think could be the solution to the issue, and what is the issue? Well, the issue is, it's, is that it's not a very good baseball team. I mean, that, and that's just that's just a matter of, of fact. And 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 to be quite honest, you know, if you look at the how many have they played the nine games, I guess, since the start of the, the road series in Anaheim, the pitching is cratered. Um, you know, Aaron Sanchez went seven innings a couple of days ago and was only the second Blue Jays pitcher since the start of the Angels series to throw a pitch after the fifth. I mean, that just ain't going to fly over two turns mm-hmm. through the rotation. And, you know, you and I are talking here on, on Thursday, May the 9th. You know, Trent Thornton last night in the series finale against the Twins was, was looking more like the guy who got Oof. bombed uh, at home against Tampa Bay a month ago than the guy who threw seven innings on Friday night in Texas and, and looked like he was ready to springboard into a, a pretty solid spot in the rotation, although we should never make too much of one start one way or the other. Um, so, so exacerbating the offensive issues is the fact that the starting pitching has regressed considerably. And, you know, Stroman's had two bad starts in a row where he hasn't gone deep. So it is an overly simplified answer, but it is unfortunately a factual one, and it has many tentacles that we can follow and talk about. 
the bottom line and what is true about this is this is not a very good baseball team. And what you are seeing is typical of the behavior of a baseball team that is not very good. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to leave it at that. There's nothing else you can really say. This is not a good baseball team. And obviously, the series against the Twins and the Rangers, the last two against the Rangers, that was, that well, was Dylan, some just, other kind of Let me of jump in because, like, you know, I get worked up when I talk about this. I don't know if <laughs> the Blue Jays talk. I get fired up. So I'll give, oh, you, yeah. I'll give you some take. Uh, on as, Like, it is one thing to be in a rebuild, and that's what the Blue Jays are. And people say, ah, oh, you're a Rogers Shill, rebuild, rebuild, rebuild. Well, <laughs> I mean, I, if it's not a rebuild, then you tell me what it is, and, 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 and we'll go from there. Uh, but that is what it is. And this is typical of what occurs at the bad part of a rebuild. And, um, you know, we have, to, we have to understand that. We also have to hold the front office and the decision makers accountable when the time is right. Um, but the bottom line is, is that it just isn't uh, a very good baseball team. And they're hoping to get there. They say they have a plan. I see what that plan is. I can't promise it's going to work. Um, but there will be accountability when there needs to be. This isn't like we're just going to keep kicking the can down the road year over year over year. It is. It would be totally unacceptable for the two-decade period of 1994 to 2014 to ever happen in this market again. This market is too large. The fans from coast to coast are too passionate. This is a baseball team that people outside of Toronto and the greater Toronto area care about. I know that is not the entire uh, entirety of the country. There are Manitobans who love the Twins, and there are BCers who, who love the Mariners. And I'm not saying it's quote-unquote Canada's team, but there are people from coast to coast who really do care. Um, it would be unacceptable, and, and we will yell and scream and rant about it if this team stinks like it does right now, years from now. Yeah, and a couple I ch- years from now, for sure, because that's when the plan is supposed to. We'll see. We'll see the best part of. We'll see the the light at the end of the tunnel, basically, because that's when the team's supposed to be good again. And I trust Ross Atkins, and Mark Shapiro. I think that they've got a plan in place, and if everything goes right, if there are no significant injuries, I think the plan will work. And it's part of the rebuild. You take a look at teams that have done it before. The Astros won the World Series in 2017. The Cubs did it in 2016. As long as the Blue Jays have a good plan in place, and I think they do, this team is going to be successful. I mean, some of the calls I heard on Blue Jays talk last night were, they were pretty good. Uh, yeah. Well, look, I said, <laughs> Dylan, the opposite of love is not hate. It's indifference. It's indifference. And if, if people don't care, and I'll tell you this right now, if, if, if most of the rest of this season is going to look like the last nine games, we're going to be dealing with a ton of indifference. Mm-hmm. Um, it is better that people care. It is better that people be able to express themselves because it tells me that they're still as angry as they are invested in the product and want better. And there's a generation, and you're in one of those generations. There might be two generations now. I remember the World Series years. There are at least two generations that don't, who got a taste of what it was almost like, but who certainly got a taste of the excitement 
in 2015 and 2016. And that should be the expectation. Not that you make the playoffs every year. You know, we talk about the Red Sox and the Yankees as, as great dynasties and great teams that have won World Series, and they are. But they don't make the playoffs every year. But they do contend almost every year. And that should be the expectation, that you are in the conversation year over year over year over year. And there may be the odd blip. I mean, the 2014 or 2015 Red Sox stunk, but they've got it right back together. This is what the Jays are aiming for. It's what they need to do. And the money needs to be there to retain their star players and to add to that core when the time is right. The time is not now, but the time will be right at some point. And the money and the commitment from ownership on down needs to be there. Yeah, and I think that it will be. I mean, I, you said you mentioned my generation. Have you not seen the World Series? Yes, and I, I, when I saw Jose Bautista's home run in 2015, the oh. ALDS, I remember I had we had a Blue Jays flag in our house, and I ran up and down the street with the Blue Jays flag. And the huh. thing is, yeah. I wasn't the only one. There were other people my age at school that were super pumped up about Jose Bautista's home run. That's the best we've gotten. And you know what? This team cannot have a stretch, like you said, the, the, the two decades from 94 to 20, 2014 right, 2015, because the, it's not going to look good at Rogers Center. It's not going to look good on the Blue Jays. It's not going to look good across Canada. I, I, I think the plan is there. I think it should work as long as nothing happens to our, to our big prospects. And I think pa- fans need to be patient because in the end, I do think it's going to end up working, yeah. working out just Well, like. I mean, the one thing, the one question I still have is where's the pitching coming from? Yeah, that's, that's the issue because in, in, in the minor leagues, you only have really your biggest pitching prospect is Nate Pearson. TJ Zoik is hurt. He had a pretty good year last year. Um, but no one's really looked that great in the system this year. Well, and Eric Pardino, you know, Eric Pardino, who's only 18 or 19 years old, is, is dealing with arm issues this year and hasn't pitched. Uh, he is highly thought of. Um, you know, and, and the one thing I, and I'm knocking on wood and I'm not – saying it's going to happen, but Nate Pearson throws 102 to 104. That is just not natural for the arm. So mm-hmm. I, I think you have to factor in and account for the possibility of a, of a significant injury with him at some point from which he'll recover, but it's going to cost him time. I, I just, I kind of work off those assumptions, hoping for the best. Um, so they're all those factors. Who's going to be available when, if you trade Stroman and Sanchez, you better make sure you get some arms in return. Guys who are either young major league contributors now or almost ready to be, and they better work out um, because you don't want to be you don't want to be chasing your own tail for years and years and years. You're trying to replicate the Strowmans of the world. You 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 if you're going to move them and him, you you have got to get pieces that will absolutely contribute and do so at a reasonable to to, to strong rate in the major leagues. Yeah. And you know what? That leads to our next topic, the, the, the trades for Stroman, Sanchez, those guys, you have to get arms, obviously. But last week, it was reported the Jays are already or will be shopping them. And you said, and you, were, you, you said it repeatedly, that this could not have come at a worse time. So two questions here. Who do you think on the Blue Jays roster can consider themselves to be relatively safe up here north of the border. And what can a storyline like the Stroman Sanchez smoke storyline do to a clubhouse? And does it affect, does it always affect a team's performance the way we saw it this week? 
Uh, so who? Uh, okay, so who's on the roster right now who could be considered safe? Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is not going anywhere. Um, I mean, you're asking me who is absolutely safe. No, 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 no. Who who can consider themselves relatively safe? Like they obviously everyone except for really Vladdy is is a yeah, possibility. I mean, right I, I don't see them trading Randall Grichik after giving him the contract. Yeah. Um, and, and you need a little bit of veteran presence. I mean, Grichik is exactly what he is. He's a first pitch swinger. Uh, he is not somebody who's going to walk and he is not somebody who's going to get on base very much when he's in a hitting slump, but that is what he is. I would say that for now he is safe. Um, he's a good teammate. You want him around. Um, and then beyond that, on this roster today, um, I, I don't, I don't think of anybody else who is, who is irreplaceable. Yeah. Um, you know, who, who, you know, I, I, I advocate for signing Stroman, but I don't think they're going to do that. So, you know, that's why I don't put him in the relatively safe category. As for your question about the, the rumor uh, from a week ago, Monday, that, that the Blue Jays are still in on trading Stroman, Sanchez and, and Smoke. You know, keep in mind that they had won 10 of their previous 14 games. They had just swept Oakland for the second time in a week, and they had climbed to 500. And they had just had an off day in Southern California when they arrived to Angel Stadium in Anaheim on Tuesday afternoon. And in talking to uh, one or two observers around the team, apparently the clubhouse was a morgue. Now, you're sweeping Oakland and having dance parties in the clubhouse after the game. And then the next time you're all in the same room together, it's like a funeral's happening. Mm -hmm. So, look, can I sit here and certainly for you quantify the, 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 the role that, that the reports or the rumor or whatever it is you want to call it played in this subsequent performance in Anaheim, Arlington, Texas, and, and here in Toronto against Minnesota? No, I, I can't do that. But... I do know that they played like crap. I do know that Aaron Sanchez fired some nuclear missiles in a, in a, in a couple different directions after um, that lousy game in Anaheim where he didn't pitch particularly well and they didn't defend well at all. And he made comments about we're not ready to play, yada, yada, yada. Look, Aaron Sanchez maybe, and that was Alan Hansen's last night as a blue jay but aaron sanchez is not firing all those darts at alan hansen right so i i think that there was an effect mm -hmm. i really do and i have absolutely no problem with ken rosenthal who is as plugged in and is as responsible um a member of the national media coverage of major league baseball as anybody ken gets information and he reports that information. He opines on that information. He discusses that information. That is his job, and he did his job. Whoever or the people, in case it was more than one, whoever said that to Ken uh, leading up, uh, I think, you know, I certainly hope it was not internal because we hear a lot about culture and we hear a lot about maximizing player performance and floating that stuff internally damages culture and damages the ability of players to maximize their performance. So I certainly cannot imagine 
that it would have come from within the Blue Jays organization because that would run counter to everything we hear uh, coming out of out of that front office and the people who run the team. Yeah, and I mean, I've never been in a big league clubhouse with players there, so I'm no, I'm in no position to tell you what effect that would have. But like like you said, no no player is going to perform at their best when there are rumors circling around them. They're going to be traded, or they could be traded. The team's looking to get rid of them. That's just not a good feeling as a player. And if if that was internal, that like you said, it goes completely against everything the Blue Jays have talked about since day one of spring training. And if, if like you've got to get you've got to make sure that if you say something at the beginning of spring training, you stick to that word because players are expecting you to stick to that word, the coaches are expecting you to stay to stick to that word, and the fans are expecting you to stick to that word. So if that was someone internally. They've got to take a look at themselves and think of what, what damage that could have had on the, on the team because this team was not good at all this week. No, and they, they were really good before that. No, and the, and the, problem, the problem, Dylan, is every team slumps. Um, but no, no team slumps as bad as the Jays. No, yes. no team should. But, but uh, yeah, to finish my point, every team slumps. It's one thing to slump. It's another thing to be unwatchable. And that was that was obscene in its level of unwatchability. Um, You know, God bless the folks who sat there and stayed and look, you know, I, could I be, I I suppose I'm, I'm speaking harshly. I, I work for the company that owns the Toronto blue Jays. I acknowledge that right now, but I would also be insulting your intelligence to suggest it was anything other than what I just said. It was, it was that bad. And Charlie Montoyo used the F word and used friggin twice in his postgame media conference after the sweep against the twins, after that final game, he was looking and is looking forward to what is today, the off day as much as anybody else, because that team needs to get away from baseball for a, you know, a good 36 to 48 hours. For sure. And hopefully that has some effect on the team's performance because what we saw was brutal. So this has been episode 28 of 211's Baseball Talk. Thank you all very much for tuning in. Go follow Scott MacArthur on Twitter at ScottyMathThinks. Go listen to Blue Jays Talk episodes on the Sportsnet app if you missed them post-game. If you did not, make sure you tune in on the radio. I listen to every episode. They are all great. And some of the calls you'll hear you might disagree with, but it's always great to get Scott's take on everything you hear. So th- Scott, thanks a lot for joining us today. I'm always happy to. Dylan, congratulations on your role with the London Majors. Um, doing a little uh, color ana- anal- analysis work, easy for me to say. Um, <laughs> you've earned it, and uh, just take your time in coming for my job, because I'd like to stay employed <laughs> for you know a few more years still. I'm sure you'll have no problem with that. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Scott. I'll have to have you on again sometime. Anytime. You know, you, know you can call anytime. Thank you.